I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy, a movie podcast where we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes certain films good or bad. I'm your host, Zach Rancourt, and every week I bring together other film enthusiasts to analyze, discuss, and dissect some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insights into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, sit back, and join us as we delve into the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes a movie great. All that I ask is don't be crazy. My special guest today, back in uh, back in action, back for ready for round four, I believe, uh, Miss Amanda Jane Stern, and she has some awesome film news too. Uh, super pumped for her. But Amanda, how are you? Why don't you introduce yourself to any new listeners out there? Yeah, I'm good. As you said, I have some really cool film news. But for those who have not heard me on my multiple appearances on this on this podcast before, I am a Brooklyn based. Uh, screenwriter, actress, producer. I have a feature film called Perfectly Good Moment that I wrote and starred in. That's how we met. Uh, You are friends with our amazing director, Lauren. And the amazing news is we're having our world premiere at the Sarasota Film Festival and we're nominated for an award. So that's really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Very excited. I will be going down there. I have not been to Florida in a very long time. I don't often go to Florida, to be perfectly honest. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I really have any need to go to Florida. If I was in a film festival, I would go, but yeah. I really don't like that Ron DeSantis. So <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I get that. I do. There, there's yeah. some things about him that um, you know, <laughs> only only a few things, of course. Just like just a few. <laughs> Very big things. Yeah, massive. <laughs> well, I'm so excited for you guys. Uh, I am going to be watching it as soon as it's available, wherever I can get it. Uh, I love following your your social media and seeing both you and Lauren's, um, like, yeah, whatever's going on. It's um, it's really cool. So I'm I'm very pumped for you and for what the future holds. So thank you for joining me again for this episode. It's going to be a lot of fun because this movie is near and dear to you. It is. We we are going to do Legally Blonde from 2001, which shocked me. I forgot that it was 2001, 22 years ago. (laughs) It was a long time ago. Um, It seems like only yesterday that it came out. Like, seriously, uh, Reese Witherspoon was 25 years old in it. So, which is crazy. Crazy stuff, right? Wow. Uh, the film was directed by Robert Lukatik, uh, who did Win a Date with Tad Hamilton, Monster-in-Law, and 21, just to name a few. It was written by Amanda Brown, Karen McCullough, and Kirsten Smith. I believe Amanda Brown wrote the book, too. She went to Stanford. It stars uh, Reese Witherspoon, Luke Wilson, Selma Blair, Matthew Davis, Victor Garber, Jennifer Coolidge, Holland Taylor, and Ali Larder. Critical reception, it is a 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb, uh, but Rotten Tomatoes was a lot kinder to it. 83% on the tomato meter with an 80% audience score. Yeah, it so, got review bombed on IMDb. You know that. Yeah, kind of a bummer. I was pretty mm-hmm. bummed about that. So it is streaming on Tubi, uh, on TBS, and on TNT, but I purchased it on Apple TV, and it was only $5. I was like, why, why not? I, I, I want to buy this movie and add it to my library so I can watch it again. 
So that's what I did. How did you watch it? I watched it on Tubi. Ooh, Tubi is great. I love uh, they, it. They had a fantastic Super Bowl ad. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it confused so many people because it was uh, it did the uh -huh. whole switching yeah. to like a smart TV program. And you that was pretty great. See the, the Reddit, am I the asshole thing about the, the woman whose husband had like a shit fit and went crazy on her? Not violent, but like literally flipped a shit. And she wrote into Am I the Asshole because she said, I'm not accepting this and left him. And that people were like, no, you have to go back to him. It's okay. And everyone on Reddit was like, no, 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 no. He showed you just who he could become. You did the right thing. You are not the asshole. He is the asshole. He freaked out because of the Tubi thing? Mm -hmm. And started blaming her and, and like really freaked out. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, a lot to a lot to unpack there. Because first of all, it's just a game and it's just a TV channel. Second mm -hmm. of all, it was an ad. Third of all, like holy crap, man, <laughs> pick your battles. And yeah. why would you get upset with your wife over something that, even if she accidentally did, it's not her fault. And right, it's just such a basic. Insane. Oh, did you accidentally turn the channel? Oh yeah, I did. Oops, it's not a a rager. Yeah. That is ridiculous. I'm glad she left, and it's mm -hmm. it's good that it, it, it took something like that uh, for her to see it. But um, that's a bummer that she was kind of was doubting herself or second guessing herself. But um, yeah. nevertheless, really good ad, and I enjoy the hell out of Tubi. They have a lot of awesome B movies that I just love to put on in the background sometimes, and they're terrible. <laughs> but that's what's so great about it. They're I free. use YouTube for that. A lot oh, of yeah. old black and white B movies. <laughs> there's there's a channel called Pizza Flicks that has B movies that you know you would not have seen because they came out in the fifties, the sixties. More like C movies, actually. Oh wow! Ooh, <laughs> some dark stuff there. <laughs> so good. So uh, the budget for Legally Blonde was eighteen million dollars. And in the U.S. and Canada, it grossed $96.5 million. So quite successful in the U.S. and Canada. That was great. Opening weekend, it opened on July 15th, 2001. It made $20.3 million. So a pretty solid opening weekend. And then worldwide, it ended up grossing $141.78 million. Uh, so quite a good fairing for this film. And um, that's awesome. That's good to know. Here's some fun facts. As agreed uh, in her contract, Reese Witherspoon kept all of her costumes after filming. And that is awesome because I love what she wears in this movie. It's mm -hmm. so great. She looks like Rita Skeeter when she goes to her first day of, uh, of law school. <laughs> I instantly thought of Rita Skeeter. And I was like, I like this a lot. It was that, really cool. That sweater is just so it's so recognizable. It's great. And it was weird that people were like looking at her like she was an outcast. I would just I would do maybe a glance, but I'm like, oh, whatever. But I mean, this is 2001. So maybe that's part of the thing, too. Yes. But so when I was in, in school, I was that kind of person. I, not so legally blonde, it, not the same color scheme, but I was always overdressed more than my fellow students. Oh. Um, and you definitely do get a lot more looks of, oh, there's the person in the full on getup whose hair and makeup are done. And she's, you know, wearing a dress and high heels and the rest of us are in our slouchy sweats. Yeah. And I went to college in Massachusetts. So people are that drab. Oh, wow. That's a that's so lame. I but I mean, I guess this is the best time to be like in Seattle. You know, you can pretty much what wear whatever you want. And everyone's just trying to out weird each other. Um, Portland's even even higher up there in the sense of the weird factor. So that's what's kind of cool is, you know, I guess 
I'm be, I'm sheltered over here in the sense of like, if she were to go to school wearing that now, people wouldn't bat an eye. No, but probably not I, now. I, I, yeah, but I get it. Like Harvard, uh, the prestigiousness of wh- what it is and all that kind of stuff. Um, so while at Stanford, source book author Amanda Brown wrote letters back home regarding her inability to fit in with her classmates. Later, she made a manuscript based on those letters and sent it to an agent who was drawn to it because it was the only manuscript submitted written on pink paper referenced in this movie through Elle Woods' scented pink resumes. <laughs> That's great. And then uh, the Broadway musical based on this movie opened at uh, the Palace Theater on ni- April 29th, 2007, and ran for 595 performances, closing on October 19th, 2008. The musical was written by Lawrence O'Keefe with Laura Bell Bundy, starring as Elle Woods. Bundy was nominated for the 2007 Tony Award for Actress in a Musical, and I heard it was awesome. I've, I have not seen Legally Blonde the musical, but I've heard very good things about it. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I did once see a gender-bent drunk drinking game version of Legally Blonde. What? <laughs> yeah. Yep. There's... Like at a house? Like somebody's yeah. house? There's a theater in, in New York called The Tank, and they have a series where they will get a film script and do a gender-bent reading of it that's also a drinking game. Oh, cool. <laughs> and I believe at the end, by the end of Legally Blonde, everyone on stage was making out with everybody else on stage. Ooh, that's <laughs> sexy. I like it. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. There's a lot of audience involvement. I might have shouted out a few things because, you know, it was a drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Like yeah, when, that sounds... I've never heard of something like that before. I remember because when she has the line about all anybody expects of me is to be a Victoria's Secret model or something. Now, I'm 5'2". Reese Witherspoon is also like 5'2". <laughs> and I remember because it's so far into the movie and I'm several drinks and I go, Psh, you're too short. <laughs> she's 5'2"? Yeah, she's tiny. She's like my size. Maybe she's even mm. smaller than me, actually. You know, that kind of makes sense, I guess, in some of her other roles when she's standing next to certain people. I'm like, she is pretty short. Huh. Huh. Didn't, I guess I never even paid attention to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, here is a spoiler-filled synopsis for anybody who has not seen Legally Blonde. Uh, if you would like to skip it, go ahead and jump five minutes ahead, and there we go. So fashion merchandising student and sorority girl, Elle Woods is taken to an expensive restaurant by her boyfriend, War- Warner Huntington III. Boo. <laughs> she expects a proposal, but he breaks up with her instead. Intending to go to Harvard Law School and become a successful politician, he believes that Elle is not serious enough for that kind of life. Elle believes she can win Warner back if she shows herself capable of achieving the same things. After months of studying, Elle scores a 179 out of 180, I might add, on the law school admissions test and combined with her 4.0 GPA is accepted to Harvard Law School. Upon arriving at Harvard, Elle's SoCal personality is a complete contrast to her East Coast classmates who frequently distrust her. She soon encounters Warner but discovers he is engaged to his old girlfriend, Vivian Kensington, who considers Elle a fool. Later, Elle tells Warner that she intends to apply for one for one of her professor's internships, but he tells her that she is wasting her time as she is not intelligent enough. Realizing that Warner will never take her back or take her seriously, Elle finds motivation to prove herself by working hard and demonstrating her understanding of the subject. Following semester, Professor Callahan, the school's most respected teacher, decides to take on some first-year interns to help him with a high-profile case. Among those chosen are Elle, Warner, and Vivian. Callahan is defending a prominent fitness instructor named Brooke Wyndham, one of Elle's role models. 
Accused of murdering her husband, Brooke is unwilling to produce her alibi, and she later reveals to Elle she was having liposuction, a fact that would ruin her reputation, which Elle promises not to disclose. Vivian gains a new respect for Elle and reveals that Warner could not get into Harvard without his father's help. Emmett Richmond, Callahan's junior partner, has also taken notice of her potential. One night, Callahan tries seducing Elle, who now believes that is why she got the internship. Womp womp womp. Devastated, she quits and nearly returns home to California, telling Emmett what happened. When he tells Brooke, she fires Callahan, replacing him with Elle under Emmett's guidance. As she is only a law student, Emmett cites a Massachusetts Supreme Court ruling that law students may represent clients if they do so under the supervision of a licensed attorney, though in actuality, this ruling only applies to third-year law students. Bummer, thanks for ruining that for us, Wikipedia. <laughs> I wanted to believe in the magic. Elle begins to cross-examine Brooke's stepdaughter, Chutney, I didn't know her name was Chutney. I love a good mint Chutney. And catches her in a lie when she discovers significant inconsistencies in her story. Chutney testified that she was home during her father's murder, but did not hear the gunshot because she was in the shower after getting her hair permed that morning. Elle says that washing permed hair within the first 24 hours would deactivate the ammonium thioglycolate. Uh, whatever. Thioglycolate. Thioglycolate. There you go. Sounds like chocolate. Pointing out that Chutney's curls are still intact. A distraught Chutney admits her culpability in inadvertently killing her father as she really intended to kill Brooke because she hated the fact that her father married someone the same age as her. After the trial, Chutney is sent to jail and Warner approaches Elle and asks her to take him back as she has proven herself. She rejects him, realizing that he is shallow and a complete bonehead. However, she and Vivian become good friends, especially after Vivian dumps Warner. Elle gives the graduation speech two years later, while Warner graduates with no honors, no job offers, and no girlfriend. Emmett has started his own law firm and has been dating Elle for two years with plans to propose to her later that night. And that is Legally Blonde. How does that synopsis never mention Paulette? The UPS guy. Yeah. What on earth? Also, I was wondering about that. <laughs> technically, it's Oz Perkins who points out the Massachusetts ruling that a law student can represent someone. Mm -hmm. He's the one who has the book. Uh, Oz, I forget Oz Perkins' character's name, but that's the actor. Uh, Dave. I think it was David. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I liked him quite a bit. That was funny. And then I, when she comes over and she's like slaps him. There's like, actually, I noticed and I'd never noticed this before, but when she goes to the party in, in the Playboy Bunny costume mm -hmm. and she's standing and talking to Vivian, he's right behind her and then to her left and then to her right are a couple of other guys and they're checking her out. And Oz Perkins looks down, sees the bunny tail, makes a face and then looks up at the other guys checking her out like, <laughs> he's uh he was good aristotle he's like are you willing to bet your life uh he's i think so <laughs> anthony perkins either son or grandson oh really mm -hmm. i didn't know that mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah the more you know that's great <laughs> well you have seen this movie how many times do you wager you've seen this movie okay so i saw it in theaters with my grandmother um so i saw it at least once in 2001 i've seen it at least once every single year. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so 20-something times. Oh, wow. So I guess you, you'd be qualified as what we would say an expert in this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I dig I, it. It's a comfort movie, you know? It's just, it's just fun. It just makes you feel good. Well, I love that because I have plenty of comfort movies and we'll talk about those a little bit later on. So, um, you know, this movie came out in 2001. It was 
one of Reese Witherspoon's first big hits and one of her most recognizable films to date. It's a role that really put her on the map. She didn't win an Oscar for Walk the Line. Or no, I'm sorry. She did win an Oscar for Walk the Line. Uh, it's hard to see her and not immediately think of Elle Woods. And, you know, it's hard to it's hard. It's not hard to see why is what I'm trying to say. When I see Reese Witherspoon, I don't think of June Carter Cash. I think of Elle Woods is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Elle is the kind of person who isn't vindictive or crass and doesn't spend much time caring about what others think of her. That's why she dresses. She marches to her own beat. Uh, she does whatever she wants to do. Right. And I, I love that. Most people would struggle being placed in her situations of isolation as a pariah. Instead, Elle pushes forward and never loses faith in herself, which is a big meaning and theme of the film. This could be argued, but is Elle Woods... Is this Reese Witherspoon's strongest character out of all of her characters she's ever played? I think it's a, a toss-up with this and Tracy Flick. Oh, I do like Tracy Flick. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pick Flick. That, <laughs> that movie's is, weird. It's, it's so weird. But it it's really good. And I remember the first time I watched it and I thought, and when they were getting to the part about the relationship with the teacher, I had an immediate oh no, this might be really poorly handled, but no, it's handled really well. And and it knows to not blame her, but also not to victimize her too much in the sense mm -hmm. that like, yes, she was a victim of this, but she's also a person who's moving on with her life and it's not the only defining characteristic of her life. And that Matthew Broderick is the one who's actually mired in it and blames her, which, you know, is a real thing for teenage girls who find themselves sexually harassed or in weird positions with adult men that other adults, instead of, of hating on the adult who did bad things, blame the teenager for being too precocious. And it's, it's a really interesting um, way that they frame it. That's me talking about an entirely different movie, but it's a great character of hers. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's the point of it. Like, she is great in this movie, but she obviously has had some uh, vastly different roles. And I think of like Cheryl Strayed from Wild. I didn't really like that movie that much, but I mean, I'm a huge outdoorsman. So for me, uh, someone doing the PCT, especially based on a true story and, you know, her memoirs uh, was really cool. Her struggling with her inner demons and her past and getting over her her lost love and divorce and all those kinds of things and her mother like it was it was it was good and I could see why she was nominated in that role um, I think her June Carter Cash was better so that makes sense why that would have won but like in my opinion I think Elle Woods is the best character because she just she plays off of that stereotype I mean we see it right from the get go when that lady is like I love when these dumb blondes come into yep. the store you know and they have daddy's credit card or whatever go with the red it's the color of confidence I don't understand why you're completely disregarding your signature color he's proposing I, I can't look like I would on any other date this is the date the night I'll always remember I want to look special <gasps> bridal but not like I expect anything there's nothing I love more than a dumb blonde with daddy's plastic. <laughs> you know, it gets excited when I Did even you see this one? We just got it in yesterday. Oh, is this low viscosity rayon? Uh, yes, of course. With a half loop top stitching on the hem? Absolutely. It's one of a kind. Hmm. It's impossible to use a half loop top stitching on low viscosity rayon. It would snag the fabric. And you didn't just get it in. I saw it in the June Vogue a year ago. So if you're trying to sell it to me for full price, you picked the wrong girl. Ow. 
and she just completely schools that girl. She's like, that's not this year's, that's last year's, and you were going to try to sell me that full price. You know, it's like, boom, roasted. And it would also uh, be so easy to play Elle Woods as a caricature and mm-hmm. not as a person, and yeah. she knows how to keep it grounded, which is really hard because it it is a big character. She does a very good job of, no pun intended, walking that line yep. between it. You know, she's not overly ditzy she just will say certain things i mean if i was in law school i would say the same kind of stuff she said when she's like i didn't know there was an assignment um you know that's me but she she holds it together and does so well and she learns her self-worth and gets more confidence as the movie goes on but she's so true to herself and i just think that's what's great even when people are mean to her and stuff um I can't remember exactly what part it was, but oh, well, when when Enid is like, oh, yeah, you call this dykes or whatever. And she's like, I wouldn't say that. I don't use that word or whatever. Uh, and just walks away. It's like, that's truthful, right? Yeah. You know, she's she's like, that's hurtful. I wouldn't say that about you. And I'm going to leave. And she um, wouldn't. And, and no. she never betrays who she is. Yeah. And I didn't like how they were being so mean to her for that. Like Enid had no reason to say, oh, like, uh, like you could probably join like this study group, like. It made me mad because I'm like, hey, what what the hell? You're supposed to be the the elitist people who, you know, are trying to make the world a better place because you have this opportunity to go to this fantastic school, but yet you're picking on somebody because they, they're different. Isn't that pretty ass backwards? And it, it bugged me. I was like, what the hell? But Elle handled it with grace. She was she was excellent. And they all become friends by the end. Mm-hmm. They do. <laughs> Except I... for Warner, because fuck him. Yeah, yeah. He's a bummer. You know, it's weird. He while I didn't like him, there were there was a point in the in the middle of the movie where he didn't seem terrible, and so I think that that was odd. Like I didn't like him, but I mean, I just thought that because there were moments when he kind of encouraged L or he stopped uh, uh, Valerie or whatever her name is the the one he was uh, engaged Vivian? to Vivian. Vivian, there you go. Uh, I was gonna call it. I, I was just Vivian gonna say Kensington Sel- <laughs> Selma Blair, who's great, but yeah. he he stopped her from kind of, he's like, Hey, take it easy on her or whatever, you know? And he even said she could join the study group. So there were moments when he was trying, but I think it was a little, a little trying. too late. I think he's a weak person. Oh, that, I, I, I think that it's, too. it's more that, I mean, here's the thing. He dumps L right before they graduate college immediately over the summer, gets back with his high school girlfriend and proposes to her and makes his college ex the laughing stock of their country club. Yeah. That's true. He is a dick. He is a he dick. He just doesn't want to be outwardly a dick, so he tries to be this kind of above you, nice guy, but like, I'm super smart. But he's not. She got herself into Harvard. He did not. She got yeah. a 179 out of 180 on the LSATs. And also, fashion merchandising is a business major. Mm-hmm. She's a 4.0 in that. You know how you need to get a 4.0 in college? You can't get a single thing below an A. Mm-hmm. One A minus, and your your GPA goes down to like three point nine seven. I know because that was my GPA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, the the whole idea of this film being, you know, looks can be deceiving, or don't judge a book by its cover, or whatever you want to call it. I mean, that's that's at the core of this, and that's why I think her character so well is because she's not a caricature of, of mm-hmm. it. She's not satirical. She's she's playing that that line between a, a person who truly could be, right? She's not losing sight of who she is, and she gets to take on this new opportunity in a, in a whole new realm that she's not familiar with, but she handles it with grace and um, with poise, and I really enjoy that. And she's funny in it, too. I mean, Reese is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I, I, I like her other movies. I actually really liked Big Little Lies uh, when she was in that on HBO Max. But yeah, I liked season one. Yeah, I didn't. Season two, I kind of quit a few episodes in because it just wasn't really holding up for me. I didn't start it because season one was so self-contained and didn't need another chapter. And also, can we face it, those rich white women would have never been looked at by the cops. And it was a very clear and cut case of self-defense. There was no mystery. These are the richest white ladies in rich white ladyville. There was no case. It was was so cut and dry self-defense that he was a huge man trying to drag a tiny woman down a flight of steps and mm-hmm. another woman pushed him to save but like it's so defend it anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she i mean she definitely has a ton i haven't seen election in a very long time okay. um but i do remember it being quite good and quite odd uh but i i, I love i love her you see moments of flick in l woods I think uh, just with her drive yes. and determination and organization. And so that just carries over into other roles that she's had as well. Her rom-com stint was kind of, eh, it is what it is. I mean, you can, you can like it. Uh, I saw this means war with uh, I saw that Chris Pine and Tom Hardy. That was really stupid, but whatever it, it is what it is. You know, sweet home Alabama was good. I liked that one. Oh, that's so problematic. <laughs> I know. Well, it definitely is, but I kind of liked it. I don't know. It was what it was. She's but, such a sociopath in that movie. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> oh, but all the characters are pretty horrible, except for uh, Patrick Dempsey. He's the only character who kind of does not suck in that movie. Patrick Dempsey. He's the guy that she's engaged to, not the ex. Ah, yes. Okay. Well, let's continue with the discussion of uh, <laughs> characters, of strong characters. Now... We have Jennifer Coolidge in this in this movie, and she plays Paulette, which mm-hmm. the Wikipedia synopsis did not talk about. Uh, I should have probably proofread it. That's that's on me, but that's okay because we get to talk about her now. So both Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Coolidge have gone on to great success, being recognized for an Oscar and Emmy, respectively. Jennifer Coolidge was in White Lotus. She's mm-hmm. fantastic in that. I didn't like the show overall, but her character was great. Uh, in the first season, she was great. I did not see the second, but I also heard she was excellent in the second. And so I'm so glad that she was given that award to recognize her achievements. Um, yep. th- this film, Legally Blonde, is somewhat a microcosm for these actresses' careers, in my opinion. It proves that we should never discount any performance, no matter how goofy or seemingly inconsequential it may be. What are your favorite examples of actors who weren't quite or who weren't taken quite seriously in their early careers only to later prove that they are indeed talented and desert and deserving actors. This is a hard one. Um, (laughs) I'm kind of going with Jack Black here. Ooh, I, I like it. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Because, and I don't even know that it was his early career. I think this is something that's still going on is, is that yes, he's the funny guy and you definitely associate him with funny movies. But when you really stop and think about all of his talents, he is wickedly talented. And I was watching um, History of the World Part Two on Hulu the other day, and he comes in for a couple of, of episodes and plays um, Stalin. And there are a couple of musical numbers in that. And when he starts singing, you, you just have this, mem- this recollection of, oh, right, Jack Black can fucking sing. Mm-hmm. And that he's just bringing so much more depth to this 
comedic sketch character than than anyone needs to. So that's that's my answer. He's he's so great. He's such a treasure. And like I remember during the pandemic, we'd see videos of him doing. I mean, that man is so graceful for his size too. He'd just be in like a speedo and cowboy boots and his giant beard, and he'd just be dancing outside and all these amazing things. Um, I saw him do a cover of Time Warp with uh, Kyle Gass and Dave Grohl, and it's incredible. So yeah, go see it on YouTube. It's just he, he's a fantastic singer. Like he I is. love Tenacious he's so D. So good. Yeah, School of Rock is is a hilarious comedy. I quote it a lot, but he just really knows how to hit the tones and his just his dancing yep. and everything. And I bet he would just be the coolest dad just based off of of that movie. I remember when he started Tenacious D, and everyone thought, "Oh, it's it's like Lonely Island. It's parodies. It's funny." No, it's it's fucking good. It really is good. It's 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 they're really really awesome. And I, I, I love it so much. Uh, the hot ones that him and Kyle Gass do also is excellent. I think it's it's very funny. But Jack Black is one of my favorite comedic actors ever. I don't think I've never not laughed at, at one of his roles. Exactly. So it's it's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great choice. Um, I, I did jot some down. Okay. I was able to kind of put some out there and. Typically, it's comedic actors that yep. go on to become, you know, to prove that they have dramatic chops, which is fantastic. So I have Melissa McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Loved her in Bridesmaids. I thought she was probably the funniest thing in Bridesmaids. But then she started shifting to more dramatic roles. And there was a movie and it, it came out a few years ago. And it was. Uh, can you ever can, forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Where she got an Oscar nod. And I was very happy because she does such a good job in that role. And I really appreciated it. Um, she's going to be Ursula in the new live action uh, Little, Little Mermaid, Mermaid, which is a great casting. I have my own thing about live a- the live action remakes, but I, um, I really appreciate that she's getting that role. And I because Ursula is such a good villain. So I think she can probably knock it out. Oh, yeah. I think the casting sounds great. I just from the trailer, I'm like, why did you color correct it like this? Why is it so dark? <laughs> it's so weird. It's so dark. This should be vibrant. <sighs> It's like, like they should just leave it animated. <laughs> I, the, the girl playing Ariel has a lovely voice. She does. It's, it's 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 beautiful. It's gorgeous, and I'm sure she does a great job. I just wish I could see what was going on on screen. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's that's that's one thing, especially me at home when I watch movies on my TV. Mm-hmm. I I am like, it's I I have a window, a few windows in my living room, and I'm it's I can't watch movies during the day. Certain certain movies because right. it's just too dark, and. Ugh, drives me crazy. So. And it's, yeah, it's not just them. I mean, it, what, Game of Thrones, when we couldn't see a single thing on our screen, it was like, oh, is there something going on? I don't know. Am I supposed to see things? That was a terrible episode. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I uh, I want to, like, erase that from my memory. I want Eternal Sunshine that out of my memory. <laughs> so Robert Pattinson, uh, you know, started out as Edward, started oh, out, I mean, Cedric yeah. Diggory, I would say, but people didn't take him serious because it's like five movies of the Twilight Saga, but that guy can act. He can. He is fantastic. Um, and so when he did Good Time, the the Safdie brothers film, that movie was bonkers, but he did a fantastic job. And then he just was like double, triple home run right after that. Uh, and, and it culminated in the Batman, I believe. I'm a huge Batman fan. So it was near and dear to my heart. And when they announced that he was going to play Bruce Wayne, everyone was kind of up in arms. I was like, you know what? I think he'll be okay. And he knocked it out of the park. I think he was fantastic. So I'm, I'm loving what that guy does. 
Uh, Shia LaBeouf, that guy is he's a little he's a little wonky, yeah, no, but he's an amazing actor, terrible person. Is, yes, exactly. And I'm I'm separating the art from the artist because some of the things that yeah. he has done have been fantastic, and so I'll give him that. Nicholas Cage. Now this is this is interesting because <laughs> this is in reverse because I think Nicholas okay. Cage's early work, most of his early work, I would say around the Coen Brothers time and stuff, was was great. He did such a good job, but then. He kind of went back to old Nicolas Cage, the the uh, vampire movie where he's all crazy, right? Uh, Vampire's Kiss, and that that movie is bonkers well, if you've ever seen it. It's like he's becoming a caricature of himself. Yes, that is the best way to describe it. And because, I think yeah. I think Johnny Depp did the same thing. Another problematic person to talk about, but I think all of that aside, his actual acting he has become this caricature of himself instead of this actor yeah. that people used to like love doing who, who would take on weird roles. And now it's just like, well, I'm going to do a funny voice, which is not the Johnny Depp voice, but like, you know, it, it's yeah. just like doing weird things. That's not great acting. And with Nick Cage, I mean, it all came down to this movie last year, the unbearable weight of massive talent. Uh, I, I really liked it. Um, I think he did a great job. He's playing himself and he's he's riffing on himself. And my biggest gripe with Nicolas Cage is is the Nicolas Cage fans will will they want the rooting for him so hard to be like, oh, yeah, he does amazing in this movie. And I see it and I'm like, I don't see it. I, I, I what, what am I missing here? Um, and so I think it's happening in reverse with Nick Cage where he had a promising career, but then it's like and now it's kind of slowing down uh, or not now, but it has been slowing down. So um, and then just really quick, Jim Carrey uh, started out, you know, comedy, but then got pretty mm-hmm. good in, in some dramatic roles. Steve Carell, great example. Uh, oh, he is yeah. a fantastic uh, dramatic actor. And, and he's then, been doing that lately. With, he has. Um, the morning show. I heard that was really good. I haven't seen that. Yeah, I need to I need to watch that one. Uh, Robin Williams as well. Um, R.I.P. But he was, you know, comedic actor, all crazy funny, Mork and Mindy, and then things like Goodwill Hunting, and then even some darker roles like Insomnia. He did such a great job, and he he is missed. But yeah, he could do anything. He really could, which is crazy. So that, actually, you know what? You know who's a good one to add to that list? Marilyn mm-hmm. Monroe. Oh, interesting. I don't have enough of a uh, I don't have enough experience watching any I didn't watch like some like it hot or anything like that. Isn't she, she in that? Yes, yes, she okay. is. It's her Tony Gentlemen Curtis. Gentlemen prefer blondes too. Yep. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's also her. Um yeah, when you when you watch her and the things that she's doing on screen it, it and it's kind of the legally blonde thing actually that, that mm-hmm. she knows how to toe that line so well. And her comedic timing is just so spot on. And again, she's never mean or or vindictive. It's it's just so interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. I noticed my list was mostly men, and that's not very fair. Um, I if I would have put more thought into this, and I guarantee I could have found some women who uh, started out. Whoopi Goldberg is a good example too, uh, comedic, but then she was in you know The Color Purple and Ghost. I mean, she was fantastic in Ghost. So she but can, that's she, the comedic part. It is, but she does a good job. Like she's she's grounded enough. Yeah. I mean, 
wasn't she nominated for mm-hmm. i think she won she an oscar. yeah she won yeah she won an oscar for that but we we've seen we've seen that occur with people or um monique of all people monique like in precious yeah. that was a very stripped down and beautiful performance that you feel her pain and you're also terrified of her cuz you yep. wouldn't want her to be your mom nope. but you also feel so bad yeah, for her too so there are plenty out there that i absolutely love and you know, I we could talk for hours about it. So Marilyn Monroe, I'm I'm intrigued by that because I know that uh, Ana de Armas was nominated for Blonde, and I never got around to seeing that. But I'm intrigued on your thoughts on that. Um, I have not watched it because it sounds like three hours of watching someone be traumatized for ugh. no real reason. That doesn't sound fun. <laughs> and like, okay. yeah, Marilyn Monroe did go through shit, but she was also. A person who had a lot of happiness in her life and Mm -hmm. then was really interesting and was probably queer if you've read her diaries Mm. you know she's not just the movie is just this victim for men to traumatize and i don't need to watch that yeah i don't i don't blame you um i was watching ted lasso today and it's just such a wholesome show and i thought about it i'm like sometimes it's nice to just get a refresh like this and to not watch something that's going to end in a morose feeling like i i want i want happiness that's why i loved uh shit's creek because it was yep. just a happy show and it it felt so good to watch in yeah. this cynical world it felt so good to watch and so sometimes we need those right we really do we need really a legally blonde in our lives. Exactly. <laughs> nice Love palate it. cleanse. Um, so the reason we picked this, the reason you picked this, actually, <laughs> because we are discussing it in celebration of Women's History Month. Yep. I love women. I got a mom. I got sisters. I got a girlfriend. I love women. Films are a platform to help push agendas and thoughts that can help movements such as equality, diversity, and inclusion or DE&I in some places. Do movies like Legally Blonde help advance towards gender equality or something else? And in what ways could it have improved in your opinion? Oh God, I don't even know. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So no surprise here. I'm a man, so I don't, I am not an expert in this, so I can't really speak to it. But when I, when I see a movie like this, I'm like, this does this set the women's uh, movement or does it set the women's rights movement forward or backward? Right. And, and I would, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it. So I think, okay. And, and I definitely think when you're talking about movies, you have to also think about when they came out, what was going on. Um, And so this was Oh one. So what was it like for women? What was the, the cultural discussion? Um, you know, how were women and, and these were like the Paris Hilton days. So this mm-hmm. was the like, let's make fun of dumb blondes. So I do think in many ways, it's actually in response to that of, hey, yeah, okay, someone's pretty and they like their hair and makeup and clothing that doesn't make them an idiot. Mm-hmm. And don't underestimate them, you know, just just because they take stock of of how they look and their presentation at every moment and that matters to them doesn't mean that they're not also as good at school or the law as you 
You know what really drove me crazy about all the Paris Hilton discourse is the media was terrible to her and mm-hmm. they shut they slut shamed her, which was awful because, you know, as a guy in 2001, I can speak to this. You know, we would have locker room talk. We would say, oh, man, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd hit that or whatever in, in more egregious terms. But we would talk about that kind of stuff because that was that was OK for us. I can look back now and say that wasn't OK how I was speaking, but the media was slut shaming her. Mm-hmm. And so if why is it okay that men can do that? And we're, we're just called players or we're like cool for, for going out and, and hitting on women and not hitting, but you know, like flirting with women yeah. and, and having sex with them and stuff. But a Paris Hilton wants to wear a short skirt and look really, really sexy, then she's a slut. And yeah. I think that's such bullshit. Um, and so unfortunately, you know, the media really put that persona on her. I mean, I know she did a sex tape, but who cares? Like, oh, <laughs> my it, goodness. whatever. And also, exactly. Um, but yeah. I also think there was a, a push among a lot of women, though, to move away from being that kind of woman, mm-hmm. to not be taken, you know, to be taken more seriously, and to not be the like, frivolous, giggly blonde. And I, I think this movie was saying, you know what? No, you, you could be whatever the fuck you want to be and yeah. look how you want to look. And it doesn't matter. That doesn't make one person smarter than the other. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that that was a great message. And I mean, even so Emmett, he actually says being blonde is a powerful thing. You hold more cards than people think you do. And he delivered that line to Elle with a sense of validity and and such sincerity. And I thought it was sweet. What are your thoughts on on his line and and why? Let's continue on this. uh, You know, blonde is a powerful thing. Why or why not? Is this accurate? I mean, I don't know that blonde itself is a powerful thing, like the that as a hair color. Right. But I think it's more the, the illusion idea, of it. Yeah, is. it's the idea that so okay, there's there is an actual lawyer. Um, I don't remember her name, but she dresses like she calls herself like the Barbie lawyer because she always wears pink to court, and she's a, apparently a very good lawyer, but it throws the other lawyers off because they spend so much time looking at her and making fun of how you know frivolous they think she is that they don't think they have to try as hard and she comes fully prepared and wins her case because That's they're awesome. there being like well look at her in her pink skirt and her little heels ha 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 and she's like yeah well let's talk facts i love it and it's it's this it's almost like a mental game too when she goes to court mm-hmm. and uh, like when they call the counsel to the the bench and, you know, um, the prosecutor is is saying, oh, no, you know, I, I accept this. Like, I have no objection to this, that you're going to have a law student represent you. Yeah. Because um, she's like she's in her mind. She's probably thinking she's not very smart. She's also a law student. And the way she dresses is like, OK, that's in- indicative of of what kind of a attorney she'll be. So exactly. she's like, this is a slam dunk for me. But then L is like, nope, we're going to switcheroo that, exactly. that whole idea. So and I think it's it is important because not showing all the cards you have is it's great. And I think that that could be said. I, I know that like blonde itself, it's just um, it's an allegory for everything else, I guess, or yeah. uh, a metaphor for everything else, because I look at friends or people that I've known that I my buddy Ernie, when I met him, I was kind of like, this guy is a partier. He seems a little childish. 
we did meet at this beer fest kind of like summer festival in Seattle. Uh, he was a friend of a friend. He just got in uh, from California, had been in Seattle for like a week. And I wasn't really keen to him, but we started talking and I just kind of threw out there. I was like, Hey man, yeah, I'm going hiking this, this weekend. And he's like, cool. Do you care if I join? And I'm like, okay, sure. I was a little apprehensive, but he joined and we hiked. And for the three, four hours we were hiking and talking, we really got along and he became one of my really good friends. So it was me realizing that he's from California. So I immediately think, oh, he's going to be, you know, the SoCal surfer guy, which isn't a bad thing, but the way he was kind of talking, I'm like, I don't know how intelligent this guy is. I don't know what we're going to have in common. Um, I'm not the smartest person either, but I'm just saying, I don't know what we would we're not going to mesh very well. And I was wrong. I was completely wrong. And I'm so glad that I went ahead and just reached out and was like, yeah, sure. Just come hiking with me. Um, so I think that's great because it's important to be able to show people that, Hey, that's just a stereotype. And, and like, I'm much more than, than what you perceive. Yeah. And Emmett meant well by it. So yeah, I, I, Emmett, I thought it was Emmett kind. Is, is on the level. He is very sweet. He is very sweet. Did you buy their love uh, interest story, though? Because it didn't seem to me like they were really, they didn't have much chemistry. I think a lot more of the chemistry happened in the ensuing two years. Like, you, you see yeah. the building blocks of it. The the little the little hints he gives for the yeah. classes and all that kind of stuff. And he's very supportive, which is cute, and, and a big difference from Warner, who is not supportive at all. Yeah, yeah he's a dick. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. And I'm glad that it did say at the very end that he was going to propose to her that night. What a nice guy. It's and cute. then her brother-in-law will be uh, will be wow. <laughs> hey, you know, my, my <laughs> first time on this podcast, we covered a movie with him. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, the the haunting. haunting. I forgot he was in that for oh, just like yeah. two seconds because so I tried to wipe that movie away from my mind too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh -huh. Okay, so Legally Blonde, let's talk about this real quick. I wasn't blown away or enamored by this movie. Uh, I'll just flat out say that. But I did enjoy it, and I appreciated uh, it for what it actually is. It's a true comfort film. We were talking about that earlier. I said we'd talk about it later. And I believe that this is probably a comfort film for you, like you were yep. saying. Uh, the reasons I liked it, and this is a few of the reasons, you know, manageable runtime, creative plot, funny moments, factual legalese, and just a wholesome message overall. Now, why are comfort movies important, and what are some of your favorites? It's escapism. Sometimes you, sometimes you need to already know what you're going into. Sometimes you don't want to start a movie that you think is going to go one way, and then the the wool gets the rug gets pulled up from under you, and you go, oh, well, now I'm going to really bad mood and I'm really sad. This is not what I was <laughs> expecting. Sometimes you need to know what you're getting. Um, so this is this is clearly a comfort movie for me. Uh, I also love My Beautiful Laundrette, which is a 1985 British movie with uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, one of his earliest roles. Um, <laughs> that's a comfort film for me. Clueless as well oh clueless is so good Clueless <laughs> is definitely a comfort film in you know similar kind of vein of, of and i know we had originally tried to do the other amy heckerling big movie mm -hmm. uh and couldn't get it on streaming um oh and there's this movie from 2006 it's an indie movie you've definitely never heard of it called shelter it's a comfort movie i've seen it a billion times 
That's excellent. I have not seen it. Yeah, I don't know what it's about. <laughs> Gay but surfers. It's what? Gay surfers. Oh, interesting. <laughs> but it's a comfort movie. Well, I mean, I could see that then. That works if that's, mm-hmm. I mean, if, if that's your thing, then hell yeah. It feels like it falls into a couple of, of, of niches that I really like. Mm-hmm. I like romance movies. I like romance movies that end well. I kind of have a soft spot for like unwitting adoption found family movies. And mm-hmm. that's a big plot point in it. Um, so. <laughs> I think everything that you just said was was accurate. It's it's something that it's a, it's that warm metaphorical blanket that we can wrap yeah. around ourselves and it's the familiarity of it. And so, you know, the best thing about film, like I've said several times on this, is it's it's art and it's subjective, and no one can ever tell you you're wrong for liking something. Um, they can disagree with you, and that's important because we should always have opinions on, on art. But it's okay if it wasn't critically acclaimed or panned worldwide or if it's terrible. Like my friend Tom loves this terrible B-movie called, uh, oh my gosh, Hell Comes to Frogtown with Rowdy Roddy Piper. It's just like a terrible movie, but he loves the shit out of it. And I applaud him for that. And now I like it because he likes it, even though it's terrible. But movies for me, like Clue. Clue is one of my ultimate comfort movies. Yeah, you just put it on in the background. Absolutely love it. I've seen that one. That's like my Legally Blonde, probably. Um, The Thing. Absolutely love The Thing as well. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Terminator 2, it's one of my favorite action movies, so I'll just put that on in the background. Jurassic Park, um, all the Harry Potter movies, I love that they're on HBO Max because then I can just put them on play, or I think they're on Peacock now. So it's wallpaper TV for you now? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, th- those are just, that's like The Office. The Office is my comfort TV show. Harry Potter can be like those movies because I'll just leave them on in the background. Do you find that you have different levels of comfort movies? Like, obviously right now I'm going comfort movie. Like, what's a warm blanket when you... Mm-hmm. just want something that's happy but do you have your like i'm angry and i need something to take my rage movies Ooh, good question it's like do i do i need a really thick quilted blanket or just a, a nice little throw today because it's not as cold um ooh, the rage out well so we just did creed 2 uh for the previous episode of the don't be crazy podcast and creed 1 is one of my favorite movies ever and it, it's just one of the most motivational movies i've watched so that can help me mm-hmm. um, get into a mood where I can realign my focus and maybe maybe get more motivated where I've felt kind of just lost and 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 confused and just angry. That can help me kind of realign my focus, I think. Um, and then recently, actually, everything everywhere all at once really made me feel happy and realize that if I get upset at myself or upset at others or whatever emotion I'm going through, a lot of it doesn't matter but at the same time it really does because it's it's the now and it's the people around us that that are important and and it's okay to just do laundry and taxes so i think that it's beautiful but yeah i think i think those i i wouldn't say everything everywhere all at once is a comfort movie yet for me though because i've only seen it three times um but at a certain point maybe it will be if i just if i put it on there but i would definitely say creed because okay. Creed is one of those movies I've seen so many times that I'll just put on too in the background. And yeah, that's not really like a, I have to be, I think I have to be in a specific mood for that yeah. movie though. I don't think I can just put it on, on a random work day. 
uh, Jurassic Park, Harry Potter, I can, those are wallpaper movies. Like you're saying, I can, I can throw those on. I don't need to watch the entire thing. Um, just, you know, pop in and out and, and take a peek at it and, and just be happy. Exactly. Um, Empire Records. That's another one. Oh yeah. Love that movie. And then pretty much any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I'm a big <laughs> like Total Recall, Running Man, Predator. You know what is a, a comfort movie for me um, mm. as well? Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Ooh. I fucking love Roadhouse. I like Roadhouse. I know you talked about it oh, with God, me I earlier. Love it so much. It's it's so good. And so good. I, I think I'm it's not... a genius neo western. It's it's so interesting because <laughs> I will it, defend it. So it just goes it goes around so weird. Like it's it gets really dark at moments. <laughs> and then you're kind of like, okay, this is campy, but then it gets back to being dark and like even the ending, you're like, holy shit, the stakes are really high in this. Like he's going into this guy's house. He drives the truck up there. He's throat ripping people. And, and it's just, it's pretty gnarly, but I do like it uh, quite it. a bit. I love it's it a, so much. It's a good movie. <laughs> Be is, nice. I think it is such a brilliant neo-Western. It is a really smart spin on Shane and the John Wayne movies. I oh. love the homoeroticism. Um Patrick Swayze is hot, but Sam Elliott is really fucking hot in it. <laughs> Miho. Listen here, so Miho. So fucking hot in that movie. <laughs> so hot. It's all, it's all the voice. The voice and the mustache ride. But it's also the, like, <laughs> almost not problematic masculinity coming from the two of them. Yeah. And, like, it will take much longer than me in five seconds to unpack all of what I just said there, but I am so in love with that movie and what it says about toxic masculinity, especially in regards to the Western genre. And <laughs> I'll stop myself right there. <laughs> no, I think, I think that's important. And I do, I never even thought of it that way, but you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, men, when we fight, we fight to puff our chests out and it's, that's, it's not about hurting somebody. It's just about us being tough and like, what is tough? And Dalton, he he takes it, even though he knows he could beat the crap out of all those people. Mm-hmm. He, he he takes it and he's he's above that because he's like, just be nice. We're not going to fight. He keeps spare tires in his car because he knows he's going to get his tires punctured every night by somebody. So like it's it does say quite a bit. Interesting. It yeah, it really does. Well, maybe we'll have to do that one because oh now God, I'm so like shit. intrigued I'm by so it. so much to say about that movie. <laughs> I'm so in love with it. Um, have you seen My Cousin Vinny? Okay, I, I rewatched it after Legally Blonde. Okay. I absolutely love my cousin Vinny. Um, it's been a, well. I saw it. La- I watched it again last year, but it's been years prior to that that yeah, I'd seen it. It's been a long time. Um, but fantastic movie. Marissa Tomei is amazing in it, and yeah. So you know that movie itself. It's famous for not only uh, having these brilliant performances from Marissa Tomei and Joe Pesci, but also the accurate, mostly accurate depiction of how to handle evidence during a trial. Now, is there any tactic of practicing law that you imagine could be picked up or studied from Legally Blonde in real life examples? Oh, God, no. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all? You don't think any of it? So I love it. And um, actually, my my fiance is a TV producer. He produces a lot of true crime documentaries. And he is producing a show right now. And one of their cases was solved. And he calls it the Legally Blonde case because (laughs) it was solved by the murder victim was found in the bathtub. And she had just gotten a keratin hair treatment like an hour before. You're not going to go soak your hair after a keratin hair treatment. She didn't drown. She was, you know, put there. Um, But, okay, so legal shit. Let's go there. Um, I mean, the classroom stuff is cool. The actual, Mm -hmm. like, when they're in court, here's the thing about trials. 
there really aren't surprises. There's no, no new evidence that gets <laughs> no. added at the last minute or surprise witnesses. The whole thing about lawyers changing would have happened behind closed doors when um, Victor Garber stops questioning Enrique and then Emmett gets up. That wouldn't happen. They're on the yeah. same team. That's not yeah. how that works. Um, I like that part, though. And your boyfriend's name? Chuck. Right, it's great. <laughs> but also when L. Oh, when Chutney confesses, it wouldn't automatically, like, that's not, it would become a mistrial. Mm -hmm. Chutney would be taken in, you know, mm -hmm. Brooke's case would be a mistrial. The prosecution would have to determine, are we going to prosecute again? Of course, they wouldn't, because not only did they never have evidence in the first place, but now they have a, wit a you know, because it would, it would prejudice the jury. Absolutely. Automatically. And that's, it wouldn't just be a, oh, you're free to go. It's yeah. a longer process than that. Though, two, and I was looking up some things and there are a few things I know and I do know that in Massachusetts in cases of murder trials uh, the defendant does not have any reasonable expectation to bail so she would probably be held in jail and not get bail but let's talk about fair and speedy trial so in a case in Massachusetts their rule is technically that from arraignment you have to go to trial within the next 12 months. Now, does that always happen? Of course not. But how long does a perm last? Three to six months, which means that this was a real speedy trial. Very speedy. Because her, her curls are still intact. I've spent a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. These are the plot holes. But that's. But I guess that's more, that's what I'm getting at is, is I think that you understand that. Like looking at, I mean, so I'm an investigator. I'm a fraud investigator. And one thing that's helped me a lot is just slowing down and looking at everything and knowing that details matter. Mm -hmm. So the, the thing that I could take from Legally Blonde is we get so focused on information and, and what's topical, what's right in front of our faces that we need to stop and realize what's behind those words and maybe look beyond it a little bit. Sometimes it takes a second set of eyes. Sometimes it just takes you taking a break, stepping away and coming back and being like, oh my gosh, what about this? And the fact that she uses her street smarts in, in, in realizing like, oh, wait, she got a perm? Well, that mm -hmm. doesn't add up. Um, that's stuff that other people might gloss over. But I think that that's what's important is and just along the lines with the the evidence preparation and how to handle evidence in my cousin Vinny, uh, that's what's so great about it is always challenge things and don't just accept it as, uh-oh, they have an eyewitness statement. We all know eyewitness statements are not very credible at all times. Um, they're very, very subjective, which in a court of law is not great. And so and I think- in, Confessions uh, can be coerced. Exactly. a lot. Exactly. And, and yeah, like you, you have, you have a, a defendant in, in police custody for six hours and they confess. It's like, well, yeah, they were in They're there sick. for six hours and they just mm -hmm. wanted to go home. So yeah, I think that the thing that I could take away from this that could have real legal leases is just being able to look beyond uh, the fine lines in what you're saying and focus on the small details. Right. And that's what they do, you know, she that's looks what the police did not do apparently yes i know right <laughs> <laughs> i don't think brooke would have ever been arrested in the first place they have nothing on her Pro probably not yeah probably they, not just with no, the, there's just no the gunshot residue she doesn't have the gun she probably is not actually covered in his blood no that's just what chutney's saying mm -hmm. so. yeah yeah <laughs> It's, it's, I mean, I, obviously I suspend the disbelief for, for movie, yes, right? Yes, I love you know. it, but, but let's be real. I mean, it's not the worst 
trial I've ever seen in a movie. That probably no. goes to, have you ever seen Body of Evidence? Mm, no, it's I don't think so. a lot of fun, but that court trial is bogus. There are no surprise witnesses. That doesn't happen. They're not just like, guess what? We found the X. And he's here right now. You can't just spring that up in, in the middle of a court trial. Like, Surprise witness. They're not actually that exciting. And I get why we do it. Because a real sure. court trial is not quite as exciting as, as Surprise, the witness who can undermine their entire alibi. <laughs> do you like courtroom court movies? Um, sometimes. Um, I used to be a big like, Law & Order TV show fan. Mm-hmm. And I find them fun. So my my dad is a lawyer, um, <laughs> and I've I've watched a lot with him. And so <laughs> he's definitely always kind of pointed out the like these are fun to watch. This is not at all what it's like. <laughs> mm-hmm. But sometimes, yeah. I mean, I I like them. I like them quite a bit. I think they're they're fun. Obviously, I know they're they're dramatized, and you're yes. like, well, this is not how it would be. But you know, like the verdict or Twelve Angry Men or. Um, uh, a few good men is another one to kill a mockingbird. It, a lot of good classic ones. Even uh, I, I liked the Matthew McConaughey one, A Time to Kill. Um, some of them it, it culminates in a certain you know very good ending, and and I dig that. Uh, but obviously they they take a lot of liberties with with how it can go down. You know which one was actually shockingly good um, hmm. in how they handled it. That nothing was everything was clearly prepped beforehand. Um, there's a movie. It's not a great movie, but the Richard Gere movie Final Analysis, hmm, they actually handled their courtroom scenes quite accurately. Hmm. Everything, you know, expert witnesses have, they're on, no one is a surprise witness. You know, the other side knows who's going to be testifying. They've already, you know, so it, it's not just like, oh, where did this person come from? I have not seen that movie or heard of that movie. It's it's not great, but <laughs> Philadelphia is another good one too. I forgot about that. Um, okay, cool. Well, sweet. Well, that's all I have uh, question wise for Legally Blonde. But let's get to the to the real pinnacle of this because uh, you're going to defend your hottest take. Uh, just choose one hottest, most controversial take on this movie, on movies of the genre, on actors, on whatever that kind of surrounds this movie, but you have a good one and you've been waiting to bring it up. So I'm excited. So here we go. Let's, let's go. I'm going to preface this and say fantasies are problematic and that's okay. As long as you know that you're talking about fantasies. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) The scene with professor Callahan, when he hits on her, I'd have slept with him. Oh, I think Victor Garber's hot. I call him alias, but uh, yeah, oh, that, interesting. That's my hot take. <laughs> uh, would it, but what if you knew it was for advancement of the career? Would that make you feel? No, nope, I'd still sleep with him. Oh shit! Oh okay. What if Selma Blair saw you do it? You see, you wouldn't care. Sleep with her too. Oh shit! That's hot. <laughs> this got steamy. That was a literal hottest take. <laughs> that's, that's my hot take. There we go. Did you find it problematic, though, that he did that? Yeah, it's very problematic. Okay, good. It's terrible. He's a just schmuck. wanted to clarify. <laughs> he is a schmuck. It's awful. If this were a real situation, I would be like, fuck you. Yeah. And then I, I don't know. I, I'd like escalate it. I don't know what I'd do. Um, 
But in the context of a movie and in the context of fantasy, yes, please. Oh, interesting. And that's why I'm prefacing that with fantasies are problematic. And yes, he is a douchebag, but he is also being played by Victor Garber, and I'm into it. But he's a hot douchebag. Mm -hmm, Exactly. (laughs) That's funny. I was not expecting that. So. But you know you, what? It was it was big. <laughs> I can respect that. I can totally respect that because I mean that is a that is a kink. That is a fantasy doing something that's taboo. That's not like globally accepted, and it's that I could see how that could be kind of hot. So yeah. there you go, older man, pretty good looking guy. Uh, I mean, dude, you you know what movie I just made? So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there you go, exactly. <laughs> no, it makes sense. So I am not. I guess I wasn't, I'm not surprised now by you saying that. That makes way more sense. <laughs> yes, it does. It does make sense. Well, that is a great hot take and Thank I really you. dig it. What uh, is yours? <laughs> I'd probably say that 2000s movies, movies that came in the came out in the year 2000 to 2010 just really weren't the best. Um, a lot of stuff that came out from 2000 to 2010 really wasn't the best. They had a lot of issues. Um, it They definitely aged poorly. Music in general from like the 2000 to 2010 era. Sure, there are some bangers out there, but it just kind of was eh. like 90s stuff was cool. 90 had, 90s had a style that the millennium, the first 10 years of the millennium was very interesting. And so this movie is very dated, in my opinion, like a lot of the styles, like even her friends, what they were wearing and just some of the some of the things around all that were kind of weird. Paulette's attire and everyone in that in that uh, beauty salon, it made it look like it was somewhere in the south or like Mm -hmm. rural, whatever. But it's like we're talking about, you know, the town where Harvard's at somewhere in Massachusetts. I'm sure they look better than that. But so um, Harvard's in, in Cambridge. Cambridge. Um, I don't think that nail salon is in Cambridge. Mm. I think that might be. So I, as I said, I went to college around there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did. I I did go around to a lot of the towns, and that actually could be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Do you think that they would they would look like that? They'll like dress like. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well. I think I feel that it, it definitely has a 2000s uh, yeah. feel to the movie and it, it's it's glaringly obvious, but that's also a product of the times and that doesn't that doesn't discount the movie or anything. And that's not why um, I wasn't enamored by it or anything. It's just that I think it's very much a you turn on the movie if it's on TNT halfway through. I'm going to continue watching it because I'm like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. Legally Blonde. Like I like this movie. So that's how I leave it. But it, it, it does feel very dated and things from the uh, first decade of the millennium just felt so kind of off, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Um, and I mean, I grew up during that time, but it still just felt off, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I... style <laughs> and things of that time period were just not great. Yeah, exactly. They don't need to come back. Okay, cool. Well, do you have anything else to add on Legally Blonde? No, I think we've I think we've covered it. Yeah. Okay, I, mean, I here's love the movie. It's so much fun. Well, can you can you put that into a letter grade? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with B. A B. Now, why a B? Because I don't think it's perfect. I I don't you know think it's the best movie ever made, but I think it's it's good. It is a solidly good, enjoyable movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think that kind of sums up how the comfort movie should feel. Yeah. Um, because my letter grade is actually more of a C, mm. but 
I think with time, maybe this movie, I don't, I mean, I could be wrong. You could have loved it when you first saw it, but so there are some movies that I have that maybe started out as a C, but as I've watched them and they've, they've just grown on me and I'm like, you know what? That's more of like a B or even an A. Yeah. So I, I think that's the whole idea of a comfort film. And again, this is just one of those movies that is so recognizable. I mean, when I think of Reese Witherspoon, I think of Legally Blonde. And it's, I think I had a Legally Blonde Barbie doll, actually. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. I didn't know they made those, actually. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but that makes a ton of sense. Sequel. Oh, Red, White, mm-hmm. and Blonde or whatever. Yeah, it's not as good as the first at all. I just like when she says... She's like, you look like the 4th of July. I really want a hot dog or something like that. <laughs> yes, that line was in the trailer. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Legally Blonde 2, so that's the only part I remember first from oh, the trailer. It's okay. Um, it's, not, it's not the first one. Jennifer Coolidge is great, though. I mean, she started out as, as the MILF in, in uh, American Pie. Well, but then, also you know. she was in the the Christopher Guest movies, you know, Best in Show. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was in those too. Wasn't she married? Her character is married to Jane Lynch in Best in Show. Yeah. Yeah. I love Jane Lynch. I just watched uh, Role Models the other day and she has me oh in stitches laughing. She's so goddamn funny in that movie. I saw don't, that. Don't be S a B S her. The others. Oh, she's hilarious. I, yeah, I saw that in theaters with a friend. I remember like we had no idea what we were going in for, but we were like, yeah, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. We were into it. I was we very did, into we, it. We quoted it a lot after we <laughs> saw it, and I have not seen it since, but. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I love it. So, yeah, so this is a this is a C for me, a B for you. Okay, cool. Well, that mm-hmm. is uh, Legally Blonde. Thank you so much. This has been awesome, and I love chatting about these types of movies because I just get to rewatch them again, and then I start to think of some really fun, uh, you know, meanings. Um, do you know who Patrick H. Willem is on yes, YouTube? Yes, I do. He has one of the most profound uh, YouTube videos on how to analyze film that I've ever seen, and I absolutely loved it. Um, and he just breaks it down on um, basically it's just fil- obviously film is art. And so any art can be analyzed with two basic things, um, just looking at it and then describing what you see. And I think that is important because with a movie like this, you can take literally anything. And he uses, uses an example of Home Alone and he breaks it down to uh, these, like what the true meanings are. And so for me, he does an exercise where he's like, summarize the movie in, in one or two sentences. So for me, I put a perceived dumb blonde woman attends uh, Harvard law school to prove she is worthy and win her boyfriend back only to learn she is great without him. And he strips it down even smaller. And then I said, a woman learns to appreciate her self-worth to break a stereotype when even further self-worth can break stereotypes. And even further, this is what I think Legally Blonde is about, one of the many meanings, the power of self-worth. I think that is highly important uh, to believe in yourself, and Else says it at the culmination speech at the end, and I think it was wonderful. I um, think so it's think... about the bend and snap. Ooh, bend and snap. <laughs> <I'm kidding. laughs> that is, it's, it's, it's so cheesy, but it's also kind of an awesome part, too. Um, and I do like when <laughs> she goes and they get the dog back, and she's like, I'm taking the, the dog, yeah, dumbass. By, by the writ of habeas corpus. Oh, and she's yeah. Yep. These things. He's like, I don't know what that means. I thought that was good. I like that quite a bit. Yeah, I'm taking the dog, dumbass. Or like when she's in, in her Harvard admissions essay and she does the, I'm comfortable using legal jargon and every day someone wolf whistles. I object. I object. <laughs> I dig it. That was that was great. Cool. Amanda, thank you so much. Um, where can we find you on the social medias? Yeah, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Amanda Jane Stern. 
those are the social medias. Oh, I think that's my handle on TikTok too. Ooh, uh, TikTok. Those are the social medias. Very cool. Yeah, I'm excited for a perfectly good moment, and I, I wish you guys all the best. I'm, you know, fingers crossed. You take home the gold cup, heavyweight championship <laughs> belt, whatever, whatever you, whatever you get at these festivals. But I'm excited for it. You can go enjoy Florida for all of its glory and self righteousness and. <laughs> liberalness <laughs> but it doesn't matter because it's at a film festival and it's going to be great so i'm mm-hmm. super pumped for you i'll yep. follow you and lauren's uh your your journeys on instagram yeah, we're so excited we smashing that like button for all yeah. these things smash that button heck yeah <laughs> okay well everybody thank you for listening to the don't be crazy podcast remember to follow us on twitter at db crazy pod and at zachdale 60 where you can share your thoughts give us film suggestions tell us if we're crazy or just send funny memes gifs gifs whatever you call it make sure you subscribe to the show on apple podcasts and leave us a five-star review Additionally, we're also available on Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, all of those fun ones. If you like it there, please leave a five-star review. It really, really helps. Thank you for listening, and until next time, don't be crazy.